Hi, this is Chris Foreman from Madness, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness podcast. <laughs> Hi there, folks out there. I'd like you to meet Tommy McGuire's combo. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Welcome back to the Stateside Madness podcast. I'm Lori. And this is Polly. And we've got a lot to celebrate, <clears throat> starting with the upcoming release of Our House, the very best of madness. It's being released on March 12th and is an exclusive U.S. release. We'll no doubt continue to talk about that more in the podcast. Uh, that we will, uh, along with two contests we've got for Stateside Madness fans to win copies of the Our House compilation. Um, and those are courtesy of our friends at BMG USA. They were nice enough to give us um, a bunch of copies and we'd like to pass them off to you. But uh, we've been teasing about a very special guest um, in the previous podcasts on Facebook and things like that. And so why don't we get right to it? We happen to have with us today, Chrissy Boy, Chris Foreman. And um, we're going to be asking them all sorts of stuff. So, Chris, thank you for joining us. And if you'd be so kind, why don't you tell us kind of what the last year's been like for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty normal. Up in my loft. <laughs> There's something going on that I've missed. That's been terrible, of course. Um, last March, we were going to go to Dubai. And uh, I kind of got up and I was like, you know, get out. Yeah, get some hot weather and suddenly tour manager pulled off it's been like that ever since really um yeah you know and it's kind of like i had all this stuff in my calendar obviously coming to the usa so all year this stuff would come up in my diary you know like i'm supposed to be in paris you know and i'm in a shopping mall <laughs> in england but um yeah yeah it's been difficult for everyone isn't it you know so you know i've got a nice house i've got a big garden, you know, I'm not in a, you know, I'm sort of on the outskirts of Brighton, you know, so it's okay, you know, for me. You well, guys, what's it been like? Terrible? You know, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. No, no matter. Um, yeah, so uh, I suppose that's the same for, for very nearly all of us. We were so looking forward to um, the American tour, but yeah. uh, we're willing to hang in there. Yeah, you know, I can't really be, you know, I still get, I get sent the sales figures, but it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if we're going to come, you know, I'm afraid this year anyway. You know, punk rock bowling has been put off again. Yeah, you know, we had a, we had a lot of stuff. I mean, I've written a few songs, that's good, you know, and, and, and we've met up a few times, the band, you know, can't really remember why. We, we, we started renting this unit. Yeah, there was a kind of thing here where it all calmed down a bit, you know, and you could almost go back to normal. And we, we were renting this kind of industrial unit and we've put a load of equipment in. And uh, we met, you know, and we, we kind of came up with a couple of songs. So, you know, we, we are ready. <laughs> Great. And it, we'll be looking forward to that. Well, we should probably mention that we also have in our studio Bobby, who is one of our uh, Stateside Madness uh, administrators on Facebook, and he's also going to be joining us for this Q&A session as well. So thanks for being with us, Bobby. All right, so quest question for Chris. Um, so why are you releasing an American compilation at this time? And um, <laughs> second, second part of that is what's your favorite song on the compilation? Um, well, the compilation was supposed to tie in with this tour. <laughs> so I guess they kind of had it on the, you know, spreadsheets for a while. 
you know, and I suppose they have to kind of release it at some point because I suppose they must have manufactured it and that's the kind of business side of things. My favourite track, I don't know, gee, you know, it's kind of all of our hits, isn't it? I mean, I always really like The Prince, you know, for some, you know, and I enjoy playing it live. It doesn't get too tired. It's just something about that song. So I'd go with that. It, it is on the compilation list. Buster, he sold the heat With a rock steady beat An earthquake is erupting But not in Orange Street A ghost dance is preparing You got to help us with your feet If you're not in a mood to dance Step back, grab yourself a seat Uptown Jamaica, but we promise you a treat. I bust the phone over with your bogus stairs, shuffle me up my feet. Even if I kept on running, I'd never get to Orange Street. So I say there's nothing left to say for the man. Uh, I do hope you guys get to tour America because I've never seen you live. And this was going to be the year I was going to go to Vegas and finally see you. This was oh, going to be Vegas. my life goal. Oh, Vegas. Yes. I love, I love Vegas. Oh, so do I. So uh, um, fingers crossed that we, we get some. Yeah, you know, we, you know, we were, you know, as you say, stoked. You know, because, you know, I get loads of cheap clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas is good no, for you that. Know, yeah. it's fantastic, you know. Yeah. But stuff like Penguin. I'm not allowed to, you know, promote a brand. I went in the penguin shop last time I was there and I was wearing a shirt and the guy said, if you come in wearing, you know, a paint, you get a discount. So, you know, win-win. Hey, this is Bobby. Hi, Chris. Pleasure to meet hey, you. Hey, Bobby. So uh, just, just echoing what Laurie said, I mean, I've been really looking forward to, to you all coming to the States. I've not, I've not seen you before. I do have tickets for the Boston and New York shows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very much hoping, hoping to see you at some point here. Um, yeah. So uh, back to the album, the compilation album. You know, what's what's kind of your hope for the album? Is this is it meant to reconnect with U.S. fans, or is it meant to bring in new U.S. fans, or what? What's your feeling about kind of the 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 release of this album in the United States? Um, yeah, it's kind of like you know keep the wheels, you know, the big wheels <laughs> going, and yeah, maybe people think, oh, what's this? It looks pretty cool, and like discover us, you know. That kind of thing, yeah. But it's not like a concept album, should we say? And haven't you got any madness stuff to wear? <laughs> I was planning on buying everything at the merch table in Boston. <laughs> I still will. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's uh, he's the man. <laughs> uh, Chris, so the compilation seems to be a little bit more retrospective than um, the only American sort of compilation which really wasn't uh compilation so much as uh, a repackaging uh back in the 1983 um us uh, madness release for geffen yeah. um and a lot of longtime fans kind of felt like that fell short of the mark um but yeah. whereas this this one seems to be a lot more um uh representative of where you guys were at that time uh yeah. particularly with the standard you know, trademark madness songs. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any influence on what gets selected for the tracks, or do you feel it was just kind of obvious really what the songs were going to be? Yeah, it's kind of really difficult because you know we were originally on stiff records in England, you know, for pretty much all our career, but we did an American deal with Sire Records, which was Seymour Stein, who's kind of legend. You know, we really like Seymour, and we like Sire Records, you know. So we kind of like, so we, we kind of went along like that for a few years. And then the Geffen thing came about because a guy from Geffen called John Kolodna, who's another legend, he came to England and he, he heard our house and he said, this is a hit, you know. So we can't, that Geffen thing is kind of like Frankenstein's, you know, it was based on the album we had out. It was based on Rise and Fall, I think. The album without it was that and then they kind of like licensed some other tracks you know so i suppose you know this is the first kind of quite comprehensive look at, uh you know 
I mean, I'm sure all the other, we've done loads of hit albums, you know, greatest hits albums, everybody does. It's kind of like that Walt Disney thing, you know, where they used to re-release a film every, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like, you know, I'm not anti it. So, you know, we try and make sure that the artwork's good and, you know, stuff like that. And um, yeah, that, that was the idea. It wasn't like, because actually really, we kind of did a similar album in England with a similar artwork, you know? And I thought that was very, it might go down well with our American friends, you know, that artwork. Because I think the one they had suggested wasn't that, wasn't that good actually. But yeah, that, that's it. It's not like, you know, some master game plan. <laughs> it's like, you know, we just, yeah, that was to accompany the tour, you know. Maybe we'll re release another one next year. Hey. <laughs> so one of the things that's notable uh, about this particular compilation is this is the first time that you've released this uh, song, Bullington Boys, on a physical oh, yeah. medium. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. What, what well, can you tell us about that? I mean, what you've got in America, you've got like Harvard and places like that, haven't you, I suppose. And it's about this sort of group of people that, that became very influential. And that day there's this club called the Bullingdon Club, you know. And um, yeah, you know, a lot of them, are, 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 you know, uh, Prime Minister is <laughs> one of the Bullingdon boys. Yeah, so that's kind of what it's about, yeah. You know, the elite, as it were. So it's kind of, yeah, good to have some contemporary stuff on it as well. Things can only get much better. documentary that was released fairly uh, fairly recently has a lot of people talking and um I, i'm wondering what it was like to to hang out with the go-go's what what can you tell yeah. us about you know i haven't it's a shame you know because i really wanted to be in the documentary but um i was kind of i live in brighton you know and um for one reason or another i didn't make it but i mean we we came to la it's the first time we'd been there you know and we played in the whiskey and i was at the hotel and the rest of the and went to see the Go-Go's because they were doing, you know, they just, and they came out and they go, oh, you know, this girl has a, you know, she, you know, Charlotte, you know, she had the old whammy on. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they, they were great. They were great, you know, they were great fun. And they were, they were a great band. Uh, they really were, you know, um, they had some good songs and, uh, you know, they rocked. Uh, you, know, you know, we had great affection for them, should we say. Well, they've been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, too. What do you think, Chris? Do you think they stand a chance of getting in? Why not? You know, why not? I mean, of course, I'd refuse. <laughs> I saw this thing on Twitter where they asked the Sex Pistols uh, in 2005. So go look that up. The Sex Pistols sent the letter. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, I mean, good luck to them, yeah. I think they... they they should be in the rock and roll world for them, definitely. Yeah, they get my vote. Um, Chris, while we're on it, um, kind of like that time around the early '80s, and um, you know where where you are, people you knew. Uh, what was your favorite other band uh, from that era? That's difficult, really. I have to say Van Halen. <laughs> you know, no, it's because. We, yeah, we came, I don't know when that album came out, they did You Really Got Me, and it was on the radio in heavy rotation, and I went and got the album that's got that on, and I kind of really like that, but they, 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 you know, I didn't go and see them, but I mean, I liked a lot of things, but really, yeah, it's hard to say, 
because a lot of the time we'd be playing with all those other, you know specials and we'd be playing with all those kind of bands you know what i mean um it's quite a different yeah there wasn't really i liked quite a lot of stuff you know really in the 80s you know when hip-hop came out i really like run dmc uh you know schooly d flipping hello cool jan i suppose that was maybe that's a bit later but but yeah i mean I, i'm quite eclectic so i didn't really have you know a favorite per se but yeah i like a lot of stuff now I'm glad you mentioned Van Halen uh, for a couple of reasons. One is uh, I know you're an ACDC fan mm. um, and uh, you know, not a lot in the way of hard rock sound really transfers through to madness um, yeah. and, and with, with good reason. We're not, that's not yeah. an ask. Uh, yeah. Keep it just, keep it just the way it is. Um, but the kinks, I try to ask everybody about the kinks every time I get. Um, yeah. And when, where you mentioned uh, you really got me Mm -hmm. uh the van halen cover um how formative would uh the kinks have been in in your sound or just for you as it's a funny, fan yeah because i wrote a, a song called ernie which is on our second um and Clive said it's really like the kinks you know and i kind of grew up you know the kinks were around you know they, they were absolutely brilliant and but at that time, you know what I mean? At that time in my life, you know, I never think, oh, I'll write a song that sounds like the Kinks, you know? <clears throat> but then you kind of realise, yeah. And also, it was also even like, the song was about quite a strange thing. You know, Ernie is a machine that picks these numbers like a lottery, you know? And it's a kind of government lottery. So, you know, I've got these things for premium bonds. I've got some, actually. Last year, I won, like, not a lot. You know what I mean? About four or five times, I won twenty-five pounds. I'm not, it's, it's not a fortune, but you don't get anything with your money in the bank. The kinks, yeah, they, they were, you know, it's some of these things, it's like, I don't know, it's like, you sort of write a song and then you think, oh, it does sound a bit, you know, but you don't, you know, I never set out thinking, I'm going to write a song like this, you know. I did one the other day, it's sort of a bit like Brian Ferry or, or Roxy, later Roxy, you know, who, who we also liked a lot. But yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> you can edit this. <laughs> Well, no, that's great. And actually, so um, speaking of songwriting, so um, you and Carl co-wrote this the yeah. band's biggest international hit, right? Our House. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you guys recorded it and when you did the video, but was there ever any kind of feeling? Did you guys know that that was going to blow up internationally the way it did? Um, and I've been talking about this recently. It's sort of like, you know, I came in with his song and it wasn't really very good. And he, kind of, you know, he did the lyrics and then the band slowly, you know, we got it a bit Motown. I suppose, yeah, we did used to think, you know, especially the first couple of albums, get a song right, but do it scarred. You know, you do it kind of offbeat. We were always sticking that thing in. And then, you know, we kind of got away from that. But you know, we thought we'd try and do this, and we did it kind of Motown. I think our producer, he was the one that really made our house. You know that it, it kind of changes the uh, the rhythm, which I didn't really think at the time. But yeah, um, I didn't think no. I I thought this is good, you know. But um, I thought tomorrow is just another day. I thought this is that's you know that's the one. I thought it was so good. Uh, it would be a bigger hit. This one, yeah, it's done very well. And like, I, I do quite well out of sync licenses, you know, like people wanting to use it. Uh, so yeah, it, it's done me well. <laughs> um, 
I have to make a confession. And, and so Polly's going to laugh at me. Polly always laughs at me. So I, I grew up watching your videos on MTV. And yeah. when I first saw the video for Our House, I absolutely fell in love. But the scene where you're playing, uh, for, first you're playing on the tennis racket and then you're yeah. kind of going through like the, the 60s yeah. and then the 70s glam. I honestly thought you were three different people. I didn't realize that it was the same person. <laughs> oh, it's just a costume, isn't it? Actually, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Because I just thought, oh, for once, you know, we've got a song that hasn't got a sax solo because Lee was always, you know, I want to be flying through the air. I, wanna do... I thought, yeah, I want to be like a kid with a tennis racket, you know you know starting off and then yeah going through all those you know eras of music rockabilly you know another favorite thing of mine rockabilly but um yeah <laughs> yeah it's fun doing that you know really interested in knowing about um any of your past experiences on u.s tours what's what's one of your favorite uh memories <laughs> or or experiences um from touring the u.s oh really i mean you know the first time The first time we ever came, went to America, we went to New York and we'd been told it's going to be quite cold. So we had those coats, you know, those Crombie coats. So we kind of going around a bit like this sort of gang, you know, and we had this manager at the time and he said, guys, I'm going to be busy. Go to this bar. You know, there's this bar, you know, that everybody goes to, all the musicians go there, you know. So we kind of rock in this bar, you know, and we sort of, and I was thinking, hey, there's many chicks, you know, and it was a gay bar, you know, and it, it was just hilarious, you know, because we had such a laugh, you know, because it was that kind of thing where, you know, the kind of lumberjack kind of thing, you know, well, not lumberjack, I don't know, I, I don't want to get in bad territory and be un PC or something. Do you know what I mean? We didn't kind of realize that, that everybody in this bar was gay. And we, you know, we had, so that was like one. <laughs> earliest experiences yeah of, of going to New York and it, we stayed in this hotel called the Iroquois Hotel and we get in this hotel and it's like just like you've seen in the films you know it's all marble there's some old black guy cutting people's hair you know it was just fantastic. we thought this is and you got up to the rooms like <laughs> you know the doors were yeah all the doors had been jammed open they had all you know what I mean it was like such a dodgy hotel so we, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like we, yeah, so we love New York and Boston and flipping, you know, we, you know, we took to America, you know, because you, you guys kind of talk English, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk about Canada, but uh, <laughs> New Jersey, yeah, what was it, yeah, we deliver anywhere except New Jersey, you know, that was, I kind of got all the references, you know, but um, yeah, that, that, I think that first tour was great, you know, except it was, it was hard because, we were um, we were in these cars, we were in these cars, and all they had was that FM radio. That's probably where I heard Van Halen, you know. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty tough. But yeah, yeah, I mean that was our first, you know, tour was it was great, you know, because we like New York, you know, they were kind of we were playing in these kind of cool clubs, and LA, you know, it was whiskey. But then I, in between, there were some funny places. Boston was great. There's a, a Paradise Club in Boston. Um, but yeah, we had a lot, of, a lot of fun. You know, I don't think you can kind of beat that first experience, you know, of everything that we'd seen on television. You know, to us, it was so exciting. You know, like I suppose you guys, maybe you see England and Big Ben, and I don't know if you've been to England. You know, and then you get there. Ooh, you know, it's like that. You know, it's Times Square. Look, look at those taxis, because you know the those big yellow New York cabs. You know, which uh, Travis Bickle, of course, had in Taxi Driver. You know, we were like obsessed with them, and we would only get in them. We, we you know, because as we went, as the years went by, they they sort of faded out. But we used to think we're only going to get in one of them. You know, we won't get in these other, you know, fancy ones. But I always I thought that was such a cool car. I always wanted to get one of those. But anyway, yeah, that's kind of touring, yeah. And then, then it got worse. <laughs> no, it's always been fun, you know, really, you know, America, you know. Real, real quick follow-up, if you don't mind. Uh, you've mentioned a couple of times the, the whiskey in, in LA. Yeah. And of course, yeah. the whiskey is very much associated with the doors. 
and, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering about um, any influences from The Doors or, or what your thoughts are about that band, The Doors. No, no, I didn't, I didn't even, probably when we played there, I didn't even know the, <laughs> I didn't know the reference, you know, do you know what I mean? And um, I kind of, you know, The Doors kind of, I don't really know that, you know what I mean? I kind of know the popular songs. Sometimes I hear something, I think, oh, that's pretty good, and it's like them, you know. Uh, but no, they didn't, it didn't, uh, no. I've got a follow-up question to that then, I guess. Um, so uh, Lemmy from Motorhead was practically a fixture at the Whiskey towards the end of his life. Uh, were you ever a Motorhead fan at all? Yeah, yeah, I saw them. Um, I saw them. <laughs> they supported Pink Floyd at this place called Earl's Court. Yeah, I'm sure. No, was it? Oh, I can't remember. Someone had a plane come down. Yeah, maybe it was Motorhead. It would have been. But yeah, they they were great. <coughs> they were great. And like, there was this place in London called Embassy Club, which was a nightclub. And Lemmy used to always be in there. You know, in the in the early eighties, he's on the fruit machine. You know, just continually losing. He never used to win. But yeah, he you know he was um quite a character. So uh, not a real touring question, but a concert question. Our friend Donald, who, who happens to not be with us today, but he does our blog and website and uh, part of the admin team, he's dying, dying, dying to know about Showtime. And <laughs> sort of... <laughs> I can tell you that. I can tell you what happened. Sometimes, in fact, it was in America. There was me, uh, Lee... Carl and Suggs, you know, we were quite a little gang, you know. And we went to see The Matrix, you know, the first Matrix film. And, you know, it's quite mind-blowing. And there's this guy in front of me with his girlfriend. And he's getting really, you know, agitated, you know. He, he's loving it, you know. He's really one of them New York. I think it was New York. Yeah, it was New York. It's one of those guys, yeah, yeah. So there's a bit in The Matrix, if you haven't seen it, where he says, we need guns, lots of guns. And all these guns appear. And this guy went, yeah, showtime. And you know why the guy said it? He said, because he knew it was going to be absolute mayhem, right? So, you know, going many years later, we're doing this um, show somewhere. And I was a little bit, you know, refreshed. And I looked at the set list and I thought, you know what? After this song, you know, it was all hits, you know, right at the end, you know, it's all hits. And I thought, it's showtime. It's showtime, you know. And I said, Suggs, give me the mic, you know. <laughs> and I went, hey, you know, I don't know, I think I just said, it's showtime, you know. And like, you know, because me and Suggs, you know, we generally have a lot of fun on stage, taking, making fun of each other, you know, or I try and make him laugh. Sometimes I annoy, you know, really annoy him. But he thought it was really funny. So the next gig we do, he goes, what time is it? You know, so I went, and then I started going, you know, let's get ready to rumble, you know, and and then one day I thought, you know, I've gone as far as I can with this. So I got um, a Highway to Hell. I got Highway to Hell and I put it in a music thing. So I just had the beginning, you know. And, and, and I kind of did it all, you know, and then I just spliced in the choruses. And we were in Amsterdam, you know, I hadn't told any of the band. So I got the sound guy, you know, on stage to play highway. To, I said, you know, because he went, what time is it expecting me to do, you know? I used to maybe try and tell some jokes as well. So he says, what time is it? And the, you know, highway to hell comes out of the PA.
and I start singing Highway to Hell and the band are like, you know, and Highway to Hell, it's like, I think you could go to the Amazon rainforest and they would know it, you know, the most remote, anywhere, in, everybody knows that song, you know. So, yeah, they were like mind-boggled. And then, you know, I kind of like really kind of ran with it and started doing Living on a Prayer was one of my favourites, you know, same kind of method. But then, I don't know, a few years ago, I thought I've had, a, you know, I kind of stopped doing it. But um, between me and you, I'll tell you, when, when we come back, we're going to do it. Yeah, the first show, and I'm not telling them to that. <laughs> I think I did, but yeah, Highway to Hell is, you know, because it is like, uh, and um, there's some things in me doing, there's some really good ones, you know, some really good ones, where, the, you know, the audience have filmed it. Yeah, you know, there's people like booing, obviously. I mean, do you know that guy, that band, oh, that's one of my favourite bands, the Hives. You know, the Hives, they're kind of, and they are flipping brilliant. They're flipping brilliant. Check them out, check them out, Bobby. They're kind of like, sort of kind of punky, but they're really nutty. And they, they do things like, you know, they'll all wear top hats. They kind of look really good. And we played them a few times. And I really like them, you know, and I was having a drink with them. And the singer went, hey, you know, why the karaoke? I said, that, that is not karaoke. <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's, it's, that, that's where it came from, from watching The Matrix, you know, to my looking at that set list you know and um i mean i was doing that let's get ready to rumble and then somebody said you know if you go to america and say that you could because that guy owns the rights to it or something so you know i probably get sued for that billion dollars or you know i got it i got it you know i got a billion dollars right here that's what i like about america you know you know we won't talk about donald trump but you know like the, the, you know the vote it was all rigged and like they all said this voting company's machines were you know fixed and and, and they're suing them <laughs> but it's sort of like for a billion it's like can't you just go a million you know it's like but it's cool that's you know it's one of the things about america you know and people get sent to prison for a thousand years you know why not why not sorry all right, gentlemen, I want to make sure uh, that I know we still have some more questions, but I want to make sure that we're being respectful of Chris's time. So, Chris, how are we doing as far as your schedule is concerned? Chris hasn't got diddly to do. My wife wants to go to the garden center. So, you know, uh, I'm here all day. might have noticed that I'm 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 a fan of the the English beat or the beat as yeah. in England um, and, and I'm curious as to what your experiences uh, are with with the English beat with the beat uh, maybe playing with them what's your what are your um, you know I probably saw them a few times you know and um, we did a song called Victoria Gardens and Roger and uh, uh, Dave Dave isn't it Dave Somebody, but you know, we weren't really that. You know, I mean, I always really thought their records were great and they sounded great, you know. Um, and you know, like I was talking to someone the other day, and it's a shame, you know, a lot of, those, of our contemporaries didn't didn't kind of make it, you know what I mean? They kind of split up, or you know, that's what happens, but yeah, I, I like them, yeah. All right, uh, Chris, so on uh, many of our earlier podcasts, I am always hypothesizing about how um, young British uh, folks got into ska. Yeah. And um, so my question to you is, um, you know, early on in the formative days of the band, 
you know, who of the members um, were really bringing, you know, Scott into your sound and who uh, did, you know, did any of you, you know, once you did get going, um, did any of you really feel like there was a, a real movement happening, a, a shift in, you know, musical styles? What are you, what are you doing, Bobby? What are you playing around at, boy? You're standing <laughs> up. It's, it's gone miles away. It's coming small. Look. Yeah, I think the thing was, you know, and I always say this to anyone starting a band, if you're starting a band, find some sort of songs that you like and learn them and play them, unless you're just some geniuses and you've got your own songs straight away, which is nothing wrong with that. But that's what we did. So we started this kind of band and we were playing like the Coasters, Fats Domino, uh, Elvis, uh, Tequila. We are doing all those kind of old standards, right? And I think it probably sucks. He... He said, oh, I've got this, um, and it was, I think it was actually Georgie Fame doing Madness, and we thought, oh, this is good, you know. So I think we kind of started doing that, and we started doing One Step Beyond. Uh, I'm trying to think. And it was just like, because we liked it, you know, because we liked those songs. It wasn't any kind of, you know, and to tell the truth, you know, I've never thought we really played that music brilliantly. Um, compared to a lot of the other bands. But um, so we kind of start doing that and dropping all the standards, you know? And then we start writing our own songs, some which were a bit reggae, but you know, something like Land of Hope and Glory isn't, um, or Bed and Breakfast Man. So we had this kind of, you know, weird little thing going. And then this band specials started getting, you know, pretty big and we're thinking, all oh, right, you know, and then we, we uh, met them, Suggs met, Jerry Dammers and it's all, you know, and he said, we, you know, we've got this band and they put a single out. But you, so we kind of became part of this thing. And I think it's because all of these bands, they were all kind of around uh, about our age, you know, although I'm older than some of them. But, you know, we can remember when that music first came out, you know, uh, that we liked it. But, you know, we also liked glam rock, you know, everything that's you know one of the things about our band i think everybody's got very very taste you know not one you know just one thing but that that's kind of it and it wasn't you know like you know i mean we've never said we are scar band in fact if you look at the second album i kind of said that in an interview you know we're you know we, i don't think we were but but it was a great thing to be involved with you know and we do, yeah, I mean, every now and then, I wrote this really good kind of reggae song the other day, you know, actually. Um, yeah, I've done a couple. It's very good. I mean, I was trying to think of some way I could play them to you. I'll have a look on them while we're talking. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, I don't know, I don't think anyone thinks, right, we're going to be, well, you might think, yeah, we're going to be a heavy metal band, you know? No. I often say to people, if you're starting a band, you know, learn stuff that, songs that inspire you, and you know, unless you're like really clever or a prince or someone, you know, you've got loads of stuff. So we started, we were doing a lot of rock and roll standards like Poison Ivy, Tequila, Jailhouse Rock, Fats Dominant, Yeah, I'm Walking, yeah, stuff like that. And then I think maybe Suggs had a copy of I think it was Georgie Fame doing Madness which Georgie Fame was an English jazz musician you know he was really good and he did a really good version of it so we thought oh, you know I think I don't know if that's the first song we learned and um, so we started doing these more kind of reggae scar type things because nobody else nobody else was doing it and um, we, we were also influenced by Ian Jury who had a band called Kilburn and High Roads Kilburn and High Rise did kind of reggae type, you know, rock and roll kind of mishmash. And they had a piano and they had a sax, which is what we had. So, you know, lo and behold, the specials come down to London and they're kind of doing this sort of stuff, you know. And so I just went to see them and we met them. And there you go, you know, we became part of the two-tone thing for a short period of time. And kind of like... I wouldn't say ever say we were a ska band, um, you know, uh, really more like pop. I don't know. 
Um, and that's kind of what happened. And that's that. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Anyone from my band. Because they don't know what they're talking about. They can't remember anything. We were doing, we did a book uh, called Before We Was We. You may have read it. And before we did the book, we were on tour and we were discussing it. And I said, oh, yeah, when we went to America. And you know, most of them couldn't remember that we went to America in 1979. I mean, how you couldn't remember that? I had to go and Google it, you know, boomers, and, and show them. I won't say who, but it was about all of them. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time. It was crazy times. Like I said, it was crazy times. The other day, I was thinking, oh, you know, you know, when you think if you could go back in time in your life, I thought, LA, 1979, you know, walking around the, to get some beer from this liquor store. And this sort of girl came along with like lycra, lycra trousers on, you know, sort of hair and roller skates and collided you know, into me. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in Camden Town. You know, you kind of, you don't get that. It's just like, oh my, you know. Anyway, yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, that's it really. That's the whole band, you know, the whole thing. All right. Well, you've mentioned that you've been working on writing a few new songs. Um, yeah. Are there plans for a new album anytime soon? New content? Um, oh, yeah. We'll be doing a new album. We're always doing a new album. Um, hmm. I was just, did you, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah, we could hear it. It sounds cool. That's just, uh, there's one that's kind of really, um, Oh, where the bloody hell is it? Give uh, me. Oh, ragger. Oh, God. That's that kid. Oh, I know. I kind of mixed them onto. Anyway, that would be easier. Yeah, um, I'm doing quite a lot of songs that aren't, you know, any particular genre. Did one that's kind of reggae-ish. Right, see if you can hear this. Uh, cancel. enough of that that was some little song I wrote you know and I was like did you hear that oh yes it was awesome and, I want to hear more it's got a nice little vibe and I honestly I was like sitting on the jar and uh, you know just contemplating you know I was probably on Instagram you know I wasn't actually you know going to the toilet and I thought of this tune and I sung it into my phone. That's what I do. And I sing it into my phone and I email it to myself and I drag it into a music thing. And then that's a good one, that. And I've been writing some lyrics. So, you know, it could be a few changes around here when you come and see Madness. So Suggs would be just on Maracas, you know. And I... <laughs> Sorry, Kim. He's a good singer, you know. He's one of the best. <laughs> Let's do the top five. And, and Chris, what we're going to do, uh, Lori and I selected what we feel is our top uh, top five songs penned by yeah. you. And um, rather, to, to save you a little bit of time, what no Lori and I do normally is we'll talk about it, why we like it. So okay. if, you're all, if you're all right with it, we'll name all yeah, yeah, five yeah. of them and ask, uh, ask your thoughts on them. Name and shame. I mean... Name, name. Thank you. All right. So here we go with the top five segment. Um, all right. So, Laurie, at number five is a song that you chose. Uh, wh which one is it? Oh, I chose that close off of the Liberty of Norton Folgate. Um, oh, really? Yeah. No, I, I adore the, the entire album. It's my favorite album. But uh, I, I really there's something about the vibe of this song, you know, yeah. it just, uh, 
it's just got a nice mellow vibe to it. So um, can you tell us anything about that song before we play it? What I can tell you is that, I mean, you know, I kind of like, I had it knocking around for years, you know, and then Lee wrote something. Lee wrote some lyrics and uh, yeah, you know, I'd kind of forgotten about that song, but it was quite good. I wonder if I got it in the old um, thingy. Yeah, I mean, I can't, you know, and it kind of came out pretty much how, yeah, I always gauge them on how I think of them and how they come out. But that came out pretty, you know, it's like, a, yeah, nice, nice little song. Yeah. that was kind of inspired by like a, a near miss car accident or was that that's just kind of an urban legend no i don't think it was okay an urban myth i think all right so number four was a choice of mine um from crunch mm -hmm. and it's oh. it's okay i'm a policeman <laughs> uh, it's got a few and, samples in it that yeah that was like that was like really quite, you know, it's quite a fun. I kind of like when I'm with Lee, he always seems to write these songs that are humorous, you know, and then you write serious ones with us. <laughs> but that was really funny. That was a funny song, yeah. And if you've seen the video, the video is pretty funny. Again, yeah, that was that was quite because yeah, a lot of the stuff I did with Lee, you know, it was all kind of programmed. We didn't really, I think the band, yeah, the band, yeah, I had them playing on that, yeah, because the bass player did the do 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 really fast bass line. Um, old Paul Tadman there, great bass player, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, I can't tell you that much about it, but yeah, I know that I somehow came across this. You know the thing they put on police cars that lights up? What are they called? Does anyone know? A, a flashing light? I, I had one thing, I used to have it on my amp, I used to like turn it on. <laughs> it really wasn't, you know, kind of like a U2 show. Do you know what I mean? Because we used to play pretty small clubs. All right, Lori, why don't you take number three? Okay, so uh, our number three choice was Shut Up 
And um, there's a, a, a legend again about when you were filming this video, there was something that happened with the clash. Do you know the story that I'm talking about, Chris? I know the story. And is it true? I mean, can you tell us I, about you it? You know, I like, you know, I wasn't, when we filmed, we filmed that video, yeah, and I, I mean, with a, a lot of the videos, it would be me or Lee that would have the ideas. And I had a lot of the ideas for that. And I wanted us to, to be in an upside down room, like Fred Astaire. And so we kind of filmed like tons of stuff all day. And then it was really crazy, you know, we built the room and then we waited. And then they turned up the room upside down and we waited. And, you know, and it's kind of like, we finished at three in the morning. So I don't know how they kind of, because the uniforms were hired, you know, they had to go back to the higher place. But I guess some of the guys might have gone to the clash thing, but the clash thing, so they were yeah, police uniforms that you're talking about. Yeah, right? they were police uniforms. Yeah, sorry. And they, we filmed the video in West London, which is a sort of clashes manner. But their rehearsal place was in Camden. So I don't know, but it must have, you know, what I'll do, I'll try and find out who told that story and say, well, actually, you know. But yeah, I don't know. I cannot say, you know, I hate to be, what's the word, non committal, sit on a fence. But I can't say if it's true or not true. in the video the same guitar that Marco Dave Peroni was. Marco Peroni yeah. was playing in the Adam Ant video for um what is it Apollo 9 that super yab I don't know was he God, I didn't know that oh yeah I guess that guitar well, gets around a little bit though right because well, well yeah I mean I I I said I'd seen this thing in a, a guitar shop and the guitar looked like a gun and I said, oh yeah, can someone go and get that guitar? And they turned up with that one. And um, that guitar belonged to Dave Hill from Slade, you know, legend. And it's a bit sad really, because it ended up in a secondhand shop. So maybe he'd got a bit, you know, so it went back to the shop. Well, not a secondhand shop, you know, big dealer shop. It went back there. And then Marco, I think, yeah, because I, I know Marco, he saw it in the shop or something, so he bought it. But I didn't, I don't know if he used it in Apollo 9. I'd have to look that up. I mean, he said, because I, I used to, I've been trying to get in touch with him lately. I used to speak to him a lot because he really knows a lot about guitars. And um, I said, what's that guitar like? He said, oh, it's terrible. You know, it's a terrible guitar. You know, looking that up. Apollo 9, that was a laugh. I better turn the volume down, eh? Skip ad. I mean, you never even watch the flipping ad, do you? You know? Anyway, sorry. Can, I can hear you. I am uh, looking. It's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit further in the video. It's when he gets to the guitar solo. I'm pretty sure it's the same guitar. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I'm listening. I know I'm kind of watching him. Okay. I really like that song. I love that man. You know, like we we went we went away on tour, and we came back, and Ant Music was in the charts. No, he hasn't. He's got looks like one of the Glitter Bands guitars. It's a star shaped guitar. He's got one minute ten seconds into the video. Okay, so yep. look. Oh, that Adam. Hold on, I'll try and go back now. 
you know, I stand, I'm always, always, you know, ready. Oh, I can't bloody find it now. Ready to admit, you know, one yeah. minute what? One minute ten. Okay. Maybe he did it for solo or something. Because there is, yeah, there's this kind of solo, isn't it? One minute ten. Maybe it's a different video. Yeah, you're right. That's weird, isn't it? What can I say? You know, Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was just uh, thank you. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. That's, you know, that's me flipping, skipping through it, isn't it? I thought, oh, yeah, he's got one of the Glitter Band's guitars. So, so anyway, that guitar got around. <laughs> it did, yeah. And, yeah, and he's, he's still got it. He's still got it. You know, I mean, I think I said, oh, you should kind of give it back to Dave Hill. Um, yeah, I need to. I've been trying to get in touch with Marco lately, and uh, hopefully, I will soon because, yeah, he used to give me good advice on buying guitars and so on but, and other kind of stuff. So, okay, so so the number two, we talked about it a little bit already, but our number two was Our House because uh -huh. for many of us, that was the first song that we heard by you, yeah. at least for me. Yeah. We already kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, is there any any other little anecdote or anything about our house that you'd like to share with our listeners um i mean when we were recording our house this is kind of solo you know down, 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 down. you see how well i played that and i kind of thought that you know i often think things up you know on the moment and the spur of the moment as it were and that i definitely thought it up in the studio because I thought, you know, I'm not having Lee do another solo, you know? <laughs> because he would, he would. And then he would have been with the tennis racket and that, you know, he'd be getting all the glory. So yeah, I thought, yeah, that would stop him, you know. Well, all right. Uh, that gets us just about to the end of everything we were hoping to do. Pretty close anyways. Um, but number one is baggy trousers. And I've just got to say, while I've got you right here, uh, my absolute unquestionable all-time favorite Madness song. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, please, by all means, speak a little bit about it. It's funny. We, we've been... Um releasing our albums on vinyl and we've been doing sleeve notes, you know, and then Mike said, I'm always going, well, it didn't come out <laughs> how I wanted. I, you know, I had some kind of those calls, you know, more kind of rock and roll. And, you know, we pressed the, the scar button, you know, the kind of offbeat button. And there we were, you know, and I, I, and I thought, yeah, this is, you know, it's good. But I never thought, I never thought it'd be a single. I kind of thought it hasn't got a chorus. But I suppose, you know, it's got, oh, what fun. We had, you know, that's a chorus, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? But I always thought that was a kind of break, you know? And I thought, really, it's at the end when it goes baggy trousers, that's when it's a chorus. Because I, I don't know these things. Just a simpleton. But, yeah, it was a shock. Um, it, it, you know, it was, uh, it was in the charts for, like, 38 weeks in England or something ridiculous. It kept going in and out, you know, and like, not, you know, not not back to number one kind of thing. But yeah, it had some longevity and very popular. And Suggs came up with a ding, 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 you know, which sounds like Hootsmon by Lord Rockingham's Eleven. Ding, 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 ding. Nasty schools and masters breaking all the rules, having fun and playing. 
So Stateside Madness fans and future Stateside Madness fans, we've got two contests to celebrate the release on March 12th of the compilation album, specifically for us U.S. fans, the Our House, the very best of madness. Now, we've got a lot of copies on CD. We've got a lot of copies on LP, and we are going to start giving them away. So if you're an existing member on the Stateside Madness Facebook group. Uh, go ahead, check it out. We've got the Baker's Dozen promotion giveaway. There's 12 songs on the new compilation. We're asking what would have been your favorite 13th song were it to be on the album. So go ahead, add to that stream and that's automatically gonna enter you in for your choice of LP or CD that we're going to send out to you on the 13th of March. We're getting everybody up until the 12th of March to the release day to weigh in on that. And we've got another one where we're going to ask you to tell all your friends, all those people who have yet to join Stateside Madness, new members of Stateside Madness, for every 25 new members we get up until the 12th of March, we're going to give away uh, same thing, their choice of uh, LP or CD. All those 25 members, we're going to draw from that. The next 25, we'll draw from that. We're really, really trying to get a lot in the way of new members. We're really trying to give away a lot of copies of these albums. So get right on that and look on all your madness-related uh, websites, groups, uh, check out everything we've got on Stateside Madness for details on how to enter that contest and stay posted. Anything else we need, you guys? Um, no, just to say uh, thank you for doing this. Pleasure. And and we definitely wanted to thank Jonathan Young as well, yeah, who's as always was... yeah. the great man. <laughs> <laughs> he he is the legend. Um, so John Jonathan from uh, MIS was instrumental in setting this up for us, and also instrumental in setting up Stateside Madness, the fan group. And uh, he's kind of been along with us through uh, most of the process. And there'll be a point maybe when we get to talking with Jonathan himself. And that'd be fun. Wow, that was an absolutely fantastic episode. I think it's probably one of the best ones we've done. So everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, again, Chris Foreman from Madness, thank you so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me as well. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to. I've got no idea what time it is. Uh, I've lost my watch, me Asbo ankle bracelet, and me laptop. Christopher Foreman, the richest, most intelligent member of the band. Do you, by any stretch of the imagination, tell me what time it is, please, man? Good evening, thank you. It's time now to, you know, calm down a bit. We're not getting any younger. I'm 47. I'll just tell you a little story. Just slide down a bit. I've got a pet snail, yeah? Can you hear me at the back? A pet snail. And he's getting old and he's getting slow. So I thought if I took his shell off, he'd go faster, yeah? It didn't work. He was just even more sluggish. Jason, where are you? That is it. I got up this morning, you're the dread. I 
Two minutes. 